Heavenly Father, we do come to you now. Lord, we bring ourselves before you. We worship you. Lord, we know that you are God. Lord, as we come to your word now, we do pray you'll speak to us. Lord, sometimes the simplest things in your word are the most profound and the most difficult to put into practice. And do pray, Lord, in these few minutes now that you'll speak and help us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, your spirit will minister to us and you'll work in our lives. Lord, be with us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, happy Mothering Sunday to any mothers here. So, I haven't forgotten. Let's read together just a couple of verses, or one verse, from 1 Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 5 and verse 7. And in the Bible I've got, that's page 1220, 1220, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Actually, we'll read 6 and 7, two verses. This is Peter writing, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Friends, I want to ask you a question this morning that you can ask yourself. Are you anxious this morning? Do you find your heart troubled by some concern or some matter this morning? You know, we live in a world that's difficult, a world of heartbreak, a world of problems. All around us we see the deep sadness of human existence. Do you have anxiety in your heart this morning? You know, some some of us are prone to anxiety more than others. I I would say I'm the kind of person who's very prone to be anxious and concerned about many things. My heart is easily troubled. Some people don't seem to be like that, do they? Some people are much more optimistic. They don't seem to be troubled in the same way. Ever since I was a small child, I've always struggled with anxiety, worrying about the future, worrying about things I can't control, worrying about what might happen tomorrow. Anxiety is part of the human condition, isn't it? Anxiety is something that we we all struggle with from time to time because we live in a world of uncertainty. What is anxiety? I think we all know what anxiety is. It's not just the same as worry. It's not just the same as fear. It's not just the same as sadness, although it may be related to those things. Anxiety is something deeper. It's when some situation is far from clear. when we don't know the outcome of a particular situation and we're concerned about that because the outcome might not be beneficial or might not be pleasant for us. And to be honest, some anxiety is natural. The concern of the human heart, when we're faced with difficulty, when we're faced with problems, when we're faced with uncertainty, is natural to be anxious. We're not robots, we're not machines, we're human beings, we're flesh and blood. And God understands that. But I will say this. Some, some anxiety is rational. It's, it's, if, if my daughter was, ang- was um, ill today, she was taken very ill and taken to hospital, I would be naturally anxious for her, for her well-being, because I love her very much. But some an- anxiety is completely irrational. I mean, every time we fly, Anya's not a very good flyer. I'll be honest, when we're on the runway, you know when the, the plane's engine starts up? Anya grabs my hand and she squeezes it so hard, I'm screaming like a girl. She almost breaks my hand. Anya doesn't like flying. She blames it on me for showing her some film. Uh, but that's not actually true. But I didn't show it to her. She saw it herself. Anyway, that's another matter. But anxiety can be completely irrational. Flying is not really that dangerous. 
But for Anya, it's it's a cause of anxiety and concern. Recently, my wife's mother has been taken very ill. She's an elderly lady. She's had a hard life. She's disabled. She's not well at all. She, She could die very soon. And Anya is naturally concerned and anxious for her mother, especially because her mother is not a believer and is facing a lost eternity. So sometimes anxiety is is natural and sometimes it's irrational. You know what concerns me and saddens me more than anything else is that so many people are anxious about the wrong things. They're anxious about all kinds of stuff which is not really of any eternal consequence at all. Go out there to the city centre today, go down to Churchill Square, go down to the pier. You see people anxious and rushing about, concerned with many, many different matters. Some of which are completely understandable. We all need to work Some people have got businesses, some people have got marital problems, family problems, illnesses, all manner of things. And some of it is just vanity. Some of it is just nonsense, isn't it? The stuff that people chase after. If they could see in the light of eternity what they're chasing after, surely their perspective would be different. What a tragedy it is that people are anxious about all these different things but are not anxious about their eternal destiny, about their souls. You know, just as it was in the days of Noah, people are getting married, they're starting businesses, they're conducting their affairs, but they're distracted so often by these things of the world which will pass away. But my message to this, I don't think there's many non-Christians here today, but if there's any non-Christian here, you need to listen to this. There are good reasons to be really anxious if you're not a believer. And I I say this because it's the truth. It's because that's that's what the Bible teaches. There are good reasons to be anxious if you're not a believer. Yes, there are distractions. There are things in life we have to attend to. But friends, we should not let these things distract us from the most important thing, which is finding peace with God, being reconciled to a holy God whom we've offended and walked away from. What good will it be if we gain the whole world and yet forfeit our souls, says Jesus? How tragic that people are chasing after all this stuff. Wealth, prosperity, they're concerned and anxious about being popular. They're trying to make a success of this short life. But they're not concerned and anxious about being right with God. Our perspective is all wrong. There's a reason to be anxious because the judgment is coming. The Bible makes it very clear that all of us will stand before God and be judged for how we've lived our lives. And many people on that day will get a nasty shock when they see the judgment of God. They stand before a holy God whom they've ignored and rebelled against and they will be judged guilty and they will be punished and sent away to judgment in hell. Not very palatable, not very politically correct, not the message people want to hear. But that's the message of the Bible, that's the message Jesus proclaimed, that judgment is coming, that people need to be reconciled to a holy God. Would that people be more anxious about their eternal destiny, about their souls? I often think of this life, this world, as like a ship, like the Titanic going down. Within a certain amount of time, that ship will be at the bottom of the ocean. It's fatally holed in six different places, I think it was. The ship is going down. It will certainly sink. But people are still on that ship, still there, you know, in the restaurant, enjoying their meals, listening to the music, not concerned about the fact that the ship is sinking, that their, their fate is awaiting them if they don't run and put themselves in the lifeboat and cling to that lifeboat until it carries them to safety. If we glimpsed the horror that is coming, we would run away. 
to the lifeboat and be saved. That lifeboat symbolizes Christ, the only way that people can be saved. Jesus said that day will come like a trap, the door will close, and people will be going about their normal business, full of the anxieties of life, and that door will close and it will be too late and the judgment will come. But listen, this anxiety is not about just a matter of wanting to avoid hell and judgment. That's part of it. If we saw hell, we glimpsed the judgment that is to come, we would run away from that hell and that judgment. But also, non-Christians should be anxious that they've offended a holy God, a good and loving and merciful God, a loving Father who provides for people his creation. And we've spurned him, haven't we? We've shaken our fist in his face. We've said, I don't want you to rule over me. I want to be in charge of my life. I'm going to ignore you and do what I want to do. You know, friends, when God starts to work in people, I think one of the first signs is we start to become concerned and anxious about our soul, about our eternal condition, our eternal destiny. How could I have offended such a loving, good, winsome, awesome, holy, sweet God, rebelled against him? How could I have been so stupid to live my life in a way that doesn't honour him? How could I have sinned against him and offended him and gone against him and broken his laws? You know, we start to be concerned about these things. And not only that, but I've rejected the gracious offer of salvation in Christ. He's done more for me than I ever deserved by giving Christ to die on that cross for my sins. Can you imagine his own son hanging there in the shame and the blood, the judgment of God poured out on his son? And we've rejected that. We've turned against that. And we said, I don't want that. I want to rule over my life and do things my way. What more can we expect from God? God is not willing that people should perish. God doesn't want people to face that judgment. God is not a cruel, malicious God rubbing his hands as people go into hell. Yes, God is glorified in his judgment, just as much as salvation. But God wants people to be saved, and he's done everything possible and necessary for people to be saved as an act of grace and kindness. How can we spurn it? How can we ignore it? And what can we expect if we ignore it and we stand before God? What are we going to say to God in our defense? But friends, if you're a Christian here today, praise God that God has given you an awareness of this, that he's given you the ability to believe in Christ, given you the faith to understand how much he loved you, that he would give his son for you. You know, sometimes we try and preach the good news without preaching the bad news first. People in the world out there, they're not aware of the bad news. Most people are not aware of the judgment to come. They're not aware of how much they've offended a holy God. For them, God is a kind of Father Christmas kind of figure in the sky or some kind of nonsensical relic of some medieval religion. But God is a holy God, and if we would see him in his awesome splendor and majesty, we would be struck down. I believe that. We would be bowing down before him in, in awe of who he is. People have no idea of that. We need to pray that people start to comprehend the bad news before they can understand the good news. Because when you understand the bad news, then the truly, truly the good news becomes really good news. Christianity is not just a lifestyle choice, is it? It's not just a hobby we're offering people. Come to church and sing hymns on a Sunday. It's far more than that. It's a lifeline thrown to people, perishing lost people who need salvation, need to hear about the love of God. You know, the story of the prodigal son that lost son who ran away, squandered his father's money, ended up in a pigsty. That son had to realize the depth of his condition. He'd, he'd sinned against his father. He'd said basically he wanted his father dead. 
he had to get up from that pigsty and return to his father. And his father was there with his arms outstretched waiting to receive him. And that's what God's like to the sinner who repents and believes in him. I'm just collecting my thoughts at the moment. This is a very serious matter. But we, we remember this, that God is a holy God. That God offers us the means of salvation if only we believe. So yes, there is a need to be anxious about it and we should pray for our non-Christian friends that there would be a degree of anxiety that would help them set them on the road on that process to finding the forgiveness and grace of God because God does not want them to be anxious about judgment and sin and hell but listen for most of us today we're Christians here and I want to encourage you with this verse today we do not have to be anxious about the judgment because Christ has been judged on our behalf but we still struggle, don't we, with anxiety and worry from time to time. Genuine con- concerns can take our peace if we're not careful. If we're not careful, if we let anxiety fester, if genuine concern about things we should be concerned about becomes more serious and becomes anxiety, it can eat away at us and take our peace. It can render us ineffective in the kingdom of God. I found it in my own life... There was times when I struggled with anxiety. When I was in Ukraine, when I was in London, I was almost crippled at times by anxiety, by fear of the future, by worry. I hadn't learned the secret of giving over to God and trusting him, casting my burden upon him. And I know there are people in this church and people outside this church who are struggling with anxiety. And I think most of us, to some extent, do struggle with it. We're not immune to it. As Christians, in some ways, we're even more prone to it because we understand just how bad this world is, just how lost it is. But anxiety can be a terrible burden. It can cripple us. It can make us cease to trust God. I thought of this illustration. You know, imagine I was, I was going for a race up towards Ditchling Beacon in the summer. A nice, nice day in July. Starts outside the church here, a big crowd of people. And I'm going to run up to Ditchling Beacon just to try and set a world record. So someone turns up with a a load of bricks and they give me an army bag, a kit bag full of bricks. Take this up to Ditchling Beacon and leave it at the top of the hill on the trig point that overlooks the whole of the downs. So there's me with my bag on my back, setting off all the crowd are cheering, burdened in the heat of the summer by this heavy bag of bricks that's weighing me down. Am I going to get to Ditchling Beacon? It's highly unlikely, isn't it? Am I going to get to the end of Viaduct Road? So... Well, I like to think I can get to Viaduct Road at the end of it, but you never know. But imagine those bricks. Those bricks are necessary, weighing me down, a terrible burden that I can't carry. Within half an hour, I'm going to be screaming in agony. I'm not going to be able to carry them to the top of the downs. But imagine if, like, a shire horse was passing by, and I could take that and put it on the cart on the back of the shire horse or the tractor or the truck, and it would take it up to the downs for me suddenly my burden would be lifted. I wouldn't have to carry those bricks to the top of the downs anymore. And hopefully I'd be able to make a good stab of getting to the top and finishing the race without that heavy burden that was weighing me down. But that's what God calls us to do, isn't it, with our burdens. Whatever burden you might be facing today, God wants us to give that to him, to throw it onto him, onto one whom we can trust to deal with our burdens. There's one of a few points just to finish off. I need to finish now, but listen to this. God's mighty hand. He talks about God's mighty hand in verse 6. Remember this, that God is in control of our lives and God is sovereign. Nothing takes God by surprise. God holds the future in his hands. God knows our future. God is not taken unawares. 
God is able to deal with our problems. God is able to give us clarity and wisdom to deal with situations. He's able to show us solutions. God will not allow anything to happen to us that he cannot turn around for his benefit and for his glory. I'm sure each, many people here have had tragedies and problems in our lives. God can use them for our sanctification to make us more like Christ. God can teach us to trust him in a way we've never known before, to walk with him even more closely. If we throw those burdens to him, cast them onto him and say, Lord, I can't cope with this. I don't know what my future holds. I'm worried about tomorrow. Lord, help me. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm concerned. I'm anxious. I don't want this to rule over me. You're in control. And this beautiful line from this hymn we're going to sing in a minute, it is well with my soul. Even when the whole world crashes down around me, it is well with my soul. I wish we could sing that with sincerity today. You know what? One thing I've learned recently, that God is actually a loving father. God is not just a harsh ruler who rules over us with a rod of iron. God is a loving father who wants us to relate to him. He he cares for us. He says here, he cares for you. Friends, I need to finish now. This is one of the most profound truths of scripture, that God cares for me. This mighty God, this awesome holy God is now my father and he loves me. He killed the fatted calf and put a ring on my finger and a robe on my back because he loved me. And if you're a Christian here today, he loves you just like that. Believe it, that he loves you, he cares for you, he really does care for you. You're his child. And he will not let anything bad happen to you that's not within his will to fulfill a greater purpose. Some of us are weary and burdened. We need to learn what it means to give that over to God and place it on his back. He's more than able to carry those burdens for us. Don't be fooled into thinking that God is some kind of harsh master or God doesn't care for you. That's the lie of the devil. God does care for us if we're his children. You know, just to finish up, if Lilia comes to me when Lilia's upset or burdened by something, you know what she does? She runs to me sometimes and hugs me and just clings onto me, clings onto my leg. You know what happens when that happens? My heart melts when my daughter runs to me, helpless, childlike, but she clings to me, she knows that dad can make it better. And sometimes we need to run to God like that, and I need to learn what that means to do that. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that if we are your children here today, that you do care for us and you do love us so much that you're willing to give your son to die for us. Lord, we we ask you to help us to trust you because we know we can trust you. You're worthy of trust. But Lord, it's not always easy. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who's burdened by anxiety that you will help them to learn to pass that burden on to you to let you carry it so they can go free and walk in a way that helps them to trust you for the future and trust you for today. Lord, we know that you are a good God, a loving God, full of boundless love and mercy towards those who trust in you. I do pray, Lord, if there be anyone here today who's not, not yet yours, that they will come to you in repentance today and be reconciled to you through Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, to support one another in our anxieties and our weaknesses. We're all human, Lord. We're all just like little children who struggle. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.